guys, you fired up to hear the word of God preached tonight? Yeah, bro. Amen, amen. Well, guys, let's open up our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I'm very excited. Romans 12. I hope you have your pens out. Let's, let's give God our attention and let's have undivided focus. Let's pull out our pieces of paper. Let's pull out our Bibles. Let's pull, uh, put our cell phones away and let's start using it on Zoom only. Gustavo. Festus, you with me tonight? Here we go. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Let's do this, guys. Come on, bro. Romans chapter 12. Whoa. And this is a scripture that Evan shared with us. Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Come on, Kevin. Paul is speaking to the church, the Christians in Rome. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, that's every one of us, guys, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, okay. but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each and every one of you. I love this. See, God does not take pleasure in us thinking of ourselves Less and less and less like scum of the earth. Now, God wants us to think of him more, but when it comes to thinking of ourselves, to have sober judgment of ourselves and to basically ask ourselves, who am I? How's my faith going? How has God created me to be? And I appreciate this. Again, two weeks ago, Evan kind of kicked us off in this series here of four basic personality types found in the Bible. It's kind of like a, a fun little uh, 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 case study of different types of people, not just four people, but four different types of people. And, and the idea comes from uh, the Greek uh, uh, philosopher Hippocrates. That's an awkward name. But he came up with this concept of four basic personality types. There's phlegmatic, there's sanguine, there's melancholy, and there's another one that at the moment I can't quite remember. Choleric. But tonight, Choleric. what was it? Choleric. And choleric. Obviously, I'm not a choleric. That's why I forgot it. Amen. Tonight, we'll be talking about a particular personality type. Come on here. The sanguine, or, in other words, the Peter. Come on. Let's talk about Peter tonight. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 19. Come on, bro. I hope you have your scriptures open. And as Tim mentioned earlier today, we're going to be looking at some fast scriptures, okay? <laughs> so hopefully you're good at navigating your scriptures. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, when I think of Peter, I, again, I'm a Peter, so I can speak very openly about Peter, because me and Peter, he was my great, 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 great grandfather. Amen. So we have a lot coming. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, the Bible simply reads, Desire, in other words, zeal, without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? <laughs> you know, it's been said that zeal without wisdom is foolish. If I were to think of a scripture that describes Peter... I think of zeal without wisdom. <laughs> and that's the title of tonight's lesson. Zeal without wisdom. And it was funny that I was talking to my wife and I mentioned this, this title for tonight's sermon. She's like, Kevin, don't you think that's a little harsh? I mean, zeal without wisdom. And I said, babe, I'm a Peter. <laughs> so I can say that about myself. Zeal without wisdom. And tonight, this again, it's a case study on Peter. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says, never be lacking in what? Zeal. Zeal. You know, lacking in zeal was never Peter's problem. Peter never 
was lacking in zeal. Come on. I remember my dad would oftentimes refer to Peter in the Bible. My dad would say, man, that's ready, fire, aim, Peter. <laughs> like Peter would say things and then afterwards think about what he should have said. <laughs> Peter had what you would call the foot-in-mouth syndrome. His mouth was so big you could practically fit a whole shoe in there. <laughs> and really, when you think of Peter, there are so many amazing qualities about Peter. You know, it's so funny, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, many of us may or may not be familiar with the story of uh, uh, Peter and John being arrested for preaching the word of God, yeah. and they're standing before the Sanhedrin. And it's so funny how the Sanhedrin saw John and Peter. It, it says they recognized them by their courage, their boldness to preach the word. And they simply said, these are unschooled, ordinary men. But they've been with Jesus. That's why they were so courageous. And it's kind of funny. I wonder if the reason why they said unschooled and ordinary. In the Greek, some of us may know that that unschooled and ordinary comes from the Greek word agrammatoi for unschooled and idiote for ordinary. In other words, you will never be anything other than ordinary. You're kind of an idiot. So they looked at John and be like, man, he's kind of young. He probably should go to school. He's kind of unschooled. But Peter... He's an idiote. <laughs> so people didn't really see Peter as the brightest color in the bunch. But again, there are so many things we can learn from Peter. My sister Annie, my younger sister, I love my sister. Anyone who knows me knows I love my spiritual and physical family. Amen. Yeah. I'll never forget this. My sister Annie said, everyone wants to be a role model to someone else. I get it. But if I can't be a great example of what to do, then I'm going to be a great example of what not to do. I'm like, Annie, that's not the best decision to make in life. <laughs> but if I'm honest with myself, when I look at Peter in the Bible, again, there are positive examples in the Bible of things we should do. There's a lot of negative examples in the Bible of things we should not do. And oftentimes, Peter was both. <laughs> there are great things that he did. And there were great things that he didn't do. But I believe the reason he was great is because he did things. So often, we can be afraid of failure. You know, there's a lot of strengths and weaknesses that Peter had. Some of his strengths is that he was zealous beyond all get out. He was a deeply passionate man. I think one of the other great strengths that he had is Peter was not afraid to fail. You know, oftentimes people have uh, 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 mentioned this idea of paralysis of analysis. Yeah. It is you're so afraid of making mistakes that you simply fail to do anything at all? Oh, that was never Peter's problem. Hmm. Peter never had paralysis of analysis. Peter was like the guy you bring to a fight to start a fight. <laughs> Peter was like a bull in a china shop. And Jesus needed Peter. And Jesus knew the other apostles needed Peter because when in doubt, Peter would start something. Mm -hmm. So often we can be terrified in our faith of making mistakes that we simply fail to do anything at all. Mm -hmm. But at least Peter tried. Peter was a great man. He was an incredible man. A man who was willing to take great risks. You know, I remember uh, I used to live with the Bartholomews, and every uh, Monday night at the time, uh, we would have family time. So it would be me and the Bartholomews and some of the other interns and, and their two children, Chase and Blake. Come on. And it was so amazing to see Evan and Kelly uh, up front and center raising their children. Come on. 
And I'll never forget, whenever we had a family time, there was always great food. Amen. We'd always have, uh, play a fun game. Amen. But they'd always start the evening off with a thought-provoking question for their five-year-old and their three-year-old. And I'll never forget, Evan and Kelly, this one time, they asked this question, what was the biggest risk you took today? Mm. And I love that question. Because early on, Evan and Kelly were already teaching their children the importance in life of taking big risks. Mm. And that Peter did excellently. Wow. What's the biggest risk you have taken this week? Wow. Some of us can't think of one. Hmm. Because we love our comfort too much. Again, there are many things that we can learn from Peter. Some who are like me are Peter. But even for those who are not Peter, let us focus on the good things that Peter did. Because the good things that Peter did, those were the things that Jesus did. Let us focus and aspire to do those things. On the flip side of the coin, there were weaknesses that Peter had. See, Peter, by nature, was a people pleaser. Oftentimes, he gave into what we would call peer pressure. You know, and oftentimes for people like myself or for people like Peter, they can care too much about how others think of them. I can't help but think of in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul literally openly, and for the rest of eternity, we see in his letter, rebukes Peter's decision to not fellowship with the Christian Gentiles while the Christian Jews were in town. See, see, oftentimes Peter would become, uh, uh, he would start to make different decisions. He would be pressured and give in to the pressure of his surroundings. I mean, how can we forget how Peter denied Jesus three times? In front of two servant girls. See, oftentimes, Peters, they can be weak because they seek to be pleased by people. They see their value and significance from people. Likewise, Peters, because of that, can begin to be deceptive. They can lie to people. Again, Peter literally lied about a very basic fact about knowing Jesus. Also, Peters can be self-deceived. Even Jesus said moments before he denied Jesus, Peter, you will deny me three times. And Peter didn't even realize spiritually where he was. See, as Peters, we can give into self-deception. We can think we're doing a lot better than we actually are. And then finally, and perhaps most easily observed, is that Peters can be emotional, irrational, and flat-out hasty. I mean, in Mark chapter 9, verse 3, uh, verse 5, when Peter's up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, and they see Jesus in the full Shekinah glory of God, and they see Jesus talking there with his best friend Moses, and also talking with his best friend Elijah, and, and literally the Bible says that Peter blurted out, Lord, let us build three shelters for you. He said this because he did not know what to say. <laughs> see, Peter was the guy who would say things and do even the wrong things, Because he didn't know what to say or do. Again, guys, for those of us who are Peters, let us aspire to run away from the weaknesses we see in the scriptures of Peter. And for those of us who aren't Peters, let us aspire to be great and to have the positive spiritual attributes. Let us imitate Peter as Peter imitated Christ. Amen, guys? I have three quick points for us tonight. Again, zeal without wisdom. A case study on Peter. Point number one, from the rock to rock bottom. Point number two, from a warrior to a wise man. And point number three, 
from a fisher of fish to a shepherd of sheep. Let's turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, from the rock to rock bottom. Let's go, Kevin! Again, Peter was an incredible individual. A man that, by, by the way, Jesus entrusted the leadership of the first century church. He put his church literally in Peter's hands before departing back to heaven. And uh, John chapter 1, starting in verse 35, we see here the entrance of this character, the introduction of Peter, named Simon. In John chapter 1, starting in verse 35, you guys with me tonight? Praise God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist, mind you. When John the Baptist saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus said to them, uh, said, uh, saw them, following, asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter, or in other words, the rock. I love it. From the very beginning, the first time Jesus ever encounters Peter, he sees a very, very ordinary, normal, natural human being. And yet Jesus saw the incredible potential that this ordinary, nobody fisherman would become. See, Peter understood, so Jesus understood that Peter would in fact become a rock in his church. You know, one of the amazing things about Peter and his training by Jesus is that Jesus infused faith into Peter. You know, if you're discipling a Peter, or, or later on in life, if you end up training or discipling a Peter, they will fall or fly based on how inspiring you are to them. See, Peters need to be called higher. They need to see the vision that God has for their life, even when every other human being is blind to that fact. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. See, Peter here, we find, is the rock that forevermore he would be called. But we see this rock plunge to the depths of the ocean's floor. Matthew chapter 26. There are high points and low points in Peter's life. Again, Peter was an incredible example of righteousness. But he was also an incredible example of what not to do. Matthew chapter 26. It says here in verse 74... Again, we recall that Peter, in fact, denied Jesus three times. Matthew chapter 26, verse 74. Then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man, referring to Jesus. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. 
You know, it's interesting that when you align all the parallel gospel accounts of this very moment in scriptures, the Bible literally shows that at that very moment, Jesus looks across the courtyard, stares Peter in the face, almost as if to say, I told you so. And Peter, when he made eye contact, he saw the gaze of God upon his soul. He was so cut that he left. He was physically moved and wept bitterly. But I want to see here an example of what an unspiritual Peter type looks in the Bible. Believe it or not, this was not Peter's worst he could do. Believe it or not, Peter could have fallen further in his faith if he would have chosen to be like Judas. See, a Bible character who's literally another Peter type is, in fact, Judas. Wow. Matthew chapter 27, we read this, early in the morning, all the chief priests, verse 1, early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, handed him over to Pilate the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied, that's your fault. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Wow. Wow. You know, it's interesting when you see the person of Judas, literally the character types and the attributes and the personality that Judas exhibits in the scriptures is almost exactly the same as Peter. See, Peter and Judas both struggled with being deceiving. Peter and Judas both struggled with being irrational and emotional. Both Peter and Judas had incredible high points in their walk with Jesus. As a matter of fact, Judas was one of Jesus' close guys. He was one of the twelve. He was the treasurer. He was in charge of the money. And both Peter and Judas, in this moment, responded to their sin almost exactly the same way. You know, what's interesting, uh, again, about Peter is that Peter, although when he falls, he doesn't necessarily have to stay down. You know, oftentimes when I study the Bible with people, I look at the scripture and I tell them, what are the similarities between the two? And the truth is, the similarities are this. Both betray Jesus, both sin against God, and both feel remorse for what they did. The only difference between the two is that later on, Peter repents. But Judas quits. And thus the principle is true. God can use a failure like Peter, but God cannot use a quitter like Judas. You know, there are a lot of Peter types in the Bible. We just read one of them, Judas. Another Peter type in the Bible is Cain. Some of us may remember from the very beginning of the Bible, Cain got so emotional, hasty, and irrational that when he was disapproved of by God, He decided to kill his brother. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, it's interesting. It's one of the things in the deepest parts of a Peter's heart is that they seek approval. They desire. There's a felt need for approval. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. The question is, is where do you get your approval? Mm. See, oftentimes Peter would seek approval from man. Later on, he would turn that into seeking approval from God alone. See, there's a 
felt need for approval. But approval in the wrong place, seeking it from men, is like a fire in your living room. But taking that same intense felt need for approval, but placing it in God, now turns into a fire in your fireplace that brings warmth and life and safety into God's house. Another example of a spiritual Peter is Elijah. (laughs) Elijah the prophet who called down fire from God, literally a fire-breathing prophet. He literally in one moment just dis- dis- uh, demonstrates the whole world the power of the one true God. Okay. And literally a verse later flees into the wilderness for 40 days from Jezebel the queen. And he literally gets to his destination and cries out to God and says, God, I just want to die. He has a really high point and then a very low point. Hmm. And what's God's solution? Well, he gives Elijah some food and says, get up, let's keep going. <laughs> Which is hilarious because that's exactly what Jesus does when he reinstates Peter. Peter tries to walk on water after seeing the resurrected Jesus and then sinks to the seafloor again. When he gets to the shore, Jesus literally gives Peter some broiled fish and then reinstates Peter's faith. Let's go. Again, finally, another example of a spiritual Peter in the Bible is Jeremiah the prophet. Oh. Jeremiah was so stinking emotional, he literally wrote a book of the Bible called Lamentations or Weeping. Literally, in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, you see that God's word, preaching his word, is like a fire in his bones. He can't stop preaching it. And yet, in that same chapter, says, God, you've deceived me. This guy is on an emotional roller coaster, super outgoing, yet borderline irrational and hasty. As you guys can see, there are some incredibly negative qualities, shortcomings of Peter, that we should all be able to identify in ourselves and flee from. But more so, because Peter was an overcomer, there are even more incredibly great and spiritual qualities in this Peter that every single one of us, regardless of our personality type, should aspire to. Amen, guys? Amen. Point number two, from a warrior to a wise man. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. What the heck does that mean? Proverbs 16. Let's check this out, guys. Y'all still with me? Yeah, bro. Proverbs 16. I hope I'm not going too long. There we go. Proverbs 16, verse 32. The Bible reads this. Better a patient person, or in other words, a wise man, than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. You know, it's funny. I'll never forget uh, when I was an intern... Uh, several years back, maybe four or five years back in uh, uh, Los Angeles, in the north region of L.A., I was discipled by an incredible African man named Blaise Fumba. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular, incredible man. And I'll never forget when he showed me this scripture. And he literally says, Kevin, riddle me this. Why does the Bible say better to be a wise man than a warrior? One with self-control than a person who takes a city. And you know what my answer was? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea why the Bible would say that. And I'll never forget what Blaze said. It's better to be wise than a warrior who takes a city. Because a warrior may take a, uh, may take a city, but an unwise warrior cannot keep a city. Oh. And it's important that we advance God's kingdom, but it's far more important that we keep God's kingdom saved. And Peter, on the onset of his relationship with God, was very much lighter. And yet what Jesus was trying to teach him Although he was a warrior, Jesus wanted to teach Peter to be a wise warrior. You guys still with me? Yeah. You know, when we look at the ways that Jesus trained Peter, at least from my perspective, 
There are three key things that Jesus did. Again, I don't mean to oversimplify things. This is my opinion. Uh, but, but in my perspective, there are three key things that Jesus did to train Peter. Opportunities, rebukes, and he expressed his faith in Peter. Opportunities. You know, he was the one who told Peter to put out into deeper water in Luke chapter 5. Jesus was the one who gave Peter a shot at apostleship. Jesus was the one who invited Peter to walk on water in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus could have just told Peter, no, stay in the boat. You're going to fall anyways. Peter was the one that Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to. And also in Luke chapter 22, Peter was the one that Jesus told once he was restored to strengthen his brothers. You know, Peter's need opportunities. Peters need opportunities. And that's so hard if you're training a Peter because Peters fail a lot. And so if you give them an opportunity, 50-50 chance, they're going to fail. But that's how Peters grow spiritually. Also, Jesus rebukes Peter hard line. You know, it's very true. Some people say, man, Peter was really out of line. If you look at the scriptures, there's no other disciple that Jesus corrects or rebukes more than Peter. And I'd have to agree. You know why? Because there's no disciple who did more than Peter did. See, Peter did more. He initiated more. And consequently, Jesus trained him more. You know, I'll never forget again when I was a young intern several years ago. I I I kid you not, for those of you who who really know me. At one point, you know, a lot of us here in this church as as disciples, as members of the church, we all understand the commitment we have to being mentored or trained by an older brother in the faith. We call that a discipling relationship. And and many of us here in the church have one disciple or one particular mentor that we we talk to and get together with every week. Well, when I was an intern in L.A., I did not have one discipler. I did not have two disciplers. I had three disciplers. I was discipled every week by Blaze. I was discipled twice a week by Fred Batson, and I lived with this brother who was my disciple. His name was Javier Hernandez, and he discipled me every single stinking day. <laughs> I have never been so taught, corrected, or rebuked in my life. And I remember I was talking to Javier Hernandez, and, and mind you, he's actually one of my best friends now. He was in my wedding. And, and I'll never forget, one day I finally just broke down. I was so discouraged because I felt like an absolute failure. And, and, and I felt so just like, I, I just can't do anything. There's nothing right I can do. And I'll never forget what Javier said. Javier said, Kevin, don't be hurt with all the discipling you're getting. You should be concerned when they stop discipling you. Say they disciple you because they really believe in you. And you got a long way to go. (laughs) And that's a Peter. Peters get a lot of attention. Why? Because Peters require a lot of attention. There's so many things that Peters do. But likewise, there's so much discipling that Peters need. Again, another way that Jesus disciples or trains Peter is he constantly expresses his faith in Peter. See, he didn't just believe in Peter. He said so. Again, he called Peter the rock. Jesus says, when you return, strengthen your brothers. Not if, when you return. 
See, Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 16, when Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that's the passage again where Jesus, uh, Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, for this was revealed to you by my father in heaven, affirming the true connection that Peter had with God. Constantly, Peter was affirmed by Jesus that Jesus had faith in him. Which is why oftentimes the Peter type personalities are words of affirmation type people. Not always, but oftentimes they're words of affirmation people. Come on, Kevin. And ultimately, guys, what do Peters need to grow? Is Peters need room and permission to fail. Let's go. They need both room and permission to fail. And when they fail, when they fall, disciple them. But don't forget to encourage them. And assert and express your undying and unwavering faith in them. Mm. Because God has undying and unwavering faith Mm. in them. You guys with me here? Finally, point number three. From a fisher of fish to a shepherd of sheep. From a fisher of fish to a shepherd of sheep. Let's go to John chapter 21. Bringing things in here for a close. You guys still with me? We all still awake? Praise God. Because this is in fact the Bible. Check this out. John chapter 21, many of us may recall the fact that Jesus called Peter and his brother Andrew to follow him to be a disciple. And says, hey, leave your nets and your boats behind, for you will no longer be fishers of fish, but fishers of men. And this is something I never observed until I studied out who Peter was. See, Peter became a fisher of fish and turned into a shepherd of sheep. Which is why in John chapter 21... In verse 15, when Jesus is reinstating Peter, Jesus says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my fish. No. Feed my lambs, my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Again, there's the rebuke. He was literally hurt by what Jesus was saying. Sometimes it hurts. Amen. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, what's incredible is that now that Peter had been trained by Jesus, he wasn't just a fish in the ocean. He was being entrusted by God to literally lead, protect, and shepherd all of God's people. And that's the amazing thing about a Peter. And that for me is what strikes home the most. is because one of the character defects of a Peter is that Peters can oftentimes think too much about how people think of them. But I love how God can take weaknesses and turn them into strengths. Because God took Someone who thought too much about what people thought of them and turned him into someone who just simply cared and thought about people. See, a shepherd cares for the sheep, which is why in 1 Peter chapter 5, let's turn there. In 1 Peter chapter 5, that's why Peter, now the elder, Peter, now the shepherd, was able to literally disciple the whole kingdom of God on how to be proper and righteous shepherds. 
of God's people. On, Again, 1 Peter chapter 5, and this is the last scripture we're going to look at tonight. Amen? Come on, bro. Come on. 1 Peter chapter 5. And look at this. Look how not a grammatoy this sounds. Look at how not idiote this sounds. Look at how mature and respected this is. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Again, Peter is speaking here. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you care, because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Why? Because you care, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus, which is why it's capitalized. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I love this. And this is the glorious, in many ways, ending of the incredible man of God, Simon, the fisherman. Become Peter, the disciple. Become Peter and the rock, the apostle. The shepherd, the elder. The caretaker of God's people. Again, it's an amazing witness that God could take someone so spiritually clumsy and make them the opposite of clumsy. A rock, solid, firm pillar in God's house. And at the end of the day, guys, this is possible for everyone. Let's go. What's the key? Be like Peter. Don't ever, for any reason, ever give up on God. Wow. Fail as many times as you need to, but don't ever, for any reason, quit. Because, again, at the end of the day, although Peter started off as zeal without wisdom, he stayed zealous, never lacking in his zeal, and gained immense amount of wisdom. And he, he was the rock. And came up from rock bottom. He was a warrior and became a wise man. And finally, he was a fisher of men as well as a shepherd of God's sheep. Guys, let us in our lives and in our words with our friends, our classmates, our co-workers, and our families strive to imitate Peter as he, in fact, did successfully imitate Christ. I love you guys. Have a great night.